babysitting right now. So did you get sleep? You, they look pretty good. Grandbaby. All right. Uh, before we get into the message, I have to make a few more announcements on the unfortunate side. It's kind of church family stuff. So uh, if, if it is your first time, welcome. I'm Joshua Kepchinski. I'm the lead pastor here. My wife, Mako, is the college pastor, and she's, I don't know, she's my wife. She has to be married to me. But um, uh, a couple of unfortunate things. We lost our mother last night. Mako's mom uh, passed last night. And so uh, it's been difficult. So just... Um, she was a wonderful woman. She served in our nursery, and, um, and if you could just continue to keep us in prayer and the family in prayer, uh, not just us, but also the Teague family, they attend here as well, um, and I would appreciate that. Um, she fought a long, painful bout of cancer, so it's bittersweet, and um, well, she's with the Lord now, so we have hope for that, so let's, that's where we're at. Um, in addition to that, uh, some even more tragic news, we lost one of our teenagers on Thursday night or Friday. I think it happened more like Friday in the, in the evening hours. Um, uh, Vanessa Wimbish, she, uh, Lisa Wimbish and Vanessa Wimbish, she, she died suddenly of a heart attack. And um, I don't know, I talked to Lisa on Friday uh, as much as I possibly could. And uh, obviously she's in a very difficult place. So if you would also continue to pray for Lisa Wimbish. Um, I, I, I have a hard time getting my head around losing children. And uh, I'm pretty confident as a pastor saying that it's not God's will that children die. It's just not. So uh, God is good. I don't know why she's not with us anymore, but um, we, have to, we have to move forward. Uh, I, I love that family. Um, she, they, they were, uh, Lisa is a single mom, a uh, working mom who, who sacrificed so much for her children. And she, uh, pushed her kids to come to church, her child to come to church, not pushed, but they came and they went to family camp. Vanessa was a beautiful girl. She had a wonderful smile. She's always smiling. And, um, Again, if you could just keep her in prayer. I want to thank everybody, the church family, for bringing us meals. Uh, we are very well fed, so thank you very much. So, uh, but I, what I would like to do is I'd like to call, like if you have a heart, if you want to help Lisa out, uh, you don't have to give us food anymore. I'd rather you just direct that. We're well, we're well fed, but um, we need to take care of our single mom. So if you want to, if you want to help uh, provide meals for Lisa this week, just contact the office. You could talk to Janie or Jennifer or anybody in the office, and we'll make, we'll make the proper arrangements. Uh, I don't know when the services are going to happen because this all happened in the next, last two days. So uh, we'll keep you posted. Um, anyway, that's where we're at. All right, so uh, it was obviously a long night. Uh, that's why I forgot my Bible, and I have my daughter's... Um, <laughs> Uh, girls' life, life application Bible. So we'll see how we do today. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm not going to read out of my daughter's Bible, but I have to have it. I, I have never not had my Bible on the pulpit, so I'm like freaking out. It's like, oh Lord, really? I have to take the purple butterfly Bible. Community is an important deal. Like, we have, we have to do it right, folks. Like, this church church thing, 
We've got to do it right. I mean, I'm very proud of you. We do a good job at Granite Creek. We, I think we do. But we need to do better at community. We just need to do better. Um, our little tagline at Granite Creek is, is relationship and not religion. So we want to have a healthy relationship with God. We need to have a healthy relationship with other people. And there's a lot of reasons why. But when life happens, that's the best reason. Like when you marry and when you bury, you need to be plugged into church family. You've got to have the church family. Like, oh, oh it's a very difficult emotional week for, for us, as a, you know, individually. And I could not, and I mean this in all sincerity, I could not wait to get back into church so that I could be in communion with the body. I don't know how people get through life without going to church. I don't know how they do it. Oh, I gotta quit being so mean and dogmatic. But maybe your life stinks right now because you don't, you're not plugged into the body of Christ. Maybe that's why it's so hard. Maybe that's why you're so hopeless. Because you don't have any consistency plugging into the body of Christ. And when tragedy falls, your hope gets translated into hopelessness. I want to encourage you. I know life is hard. Trust me, I know it's very difficult to try and fit into a church family. Uh, I, I always tell my stories of when, I'm, when I was trying to find a church home and how hard it is because you go in and you go in with the, the, the worldly eyes and you're looking to see if people look like you, dress like you, talk like you. Can I make friends? Can I make money? So this is how we come in with these types of mindsets, right? And I'm just saying, we're the body of Christ. It, 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 like one of, the, one of my precious communities that I got to be a part of was an African-American community in Charleston, South Carolina. Man, we had nothing in common. You know that I can go to India and I can, I can meet a woman that has, that is not, barely speaks my language, is, in a, is the poorest of the poor. Um, we have absolutely nothing in common. I'm a Westerner and she's an Easterner. As soon as we're talking about Jesus, she's my sister, right? The, I, I encourage you to get out in the mission field someday. Short-term missions, go with this guy. Go, to, go with him to Africa, wherever he goes. And you will see the body of Christ throughout the world. And the same connection, hopefully, that you have in this church, you can have with somebody else that you have absolutely nothing in common with. It's beautiful. So push in, folks. I know it's hard. All right, so we're in a series on wisdom. And... It, wisdom is, it's multifaceted, it's, it's personified, it's like when you read, and we're, we're spending most of our time looking at the book of Proverbs, because it's as if this person called wisdom sat down and wrote Proverbs to us, because, you know, he, he talks to himself in the first person, or he, it's, it, wisdom is highlighted as, as, as a woman, as, as, you know, she is beautiful and she's somebody that you need to pursue. Or then it says things like, I wisdom, I dwell in the house of the prudent. So it's, it's a beautiful book. It's poetry, right? So I, I know it doesn't rhyme. And we like poetry to rhyme, but it's poetry. And, it, and, and it's, it's so impactful because we have to have wisdom. And from what we, if you want to follow along in the, in the series, that the, the recordings, uh, 
wisdom, spiritual wisdom, is a gift. Like, it is something that gets imparted onto us by the Holy Spirit. But what we do know from scriptures is that wisdom is a long path. Wouldn't it be great if, like, Gandalf the Great has suddenly made you wise, right? It doesn't work like that. Like, wisdom is this long path that we have to walk on. It, it, it says, you know, uh, wisdom, I, I walk on this path, and you must walk on this path with me. And so it's step by step by step. And what we know about wise people that make wise decisions who's, you know, I don't know, it's not necessarily that they have their lives together, but they have this experience of that peace that transcends all understanding, Right? You want to hang out with those people that don't, like, bad things happen and they're just not worrying too much. They don't freak out. They don't fall apart. There is this countenance and there is this presence that they carry. That's what you're after. The Bible tells us that wisdom is supreme. So therefore, at all costs, you have to get her. So wisdom is a path. And what we're going to be looking at today is what is a door that we open up to actually get on this path? And, I mean, I don't know if this, I, I try really hard not to preach my circumstances. Life happens. And so I'm like, oh, man, I need some hope in my life right now, right? You have a bad week. You just kind of default. It's like, okay, so forgive me if I'm preaching my, my circumstances. But hope I mean, I was just, I need, I, at the beginning of the week, I needed hope. Before people started dying, I needed some hope, right? Wise people are hopeful. Wise people have hope. They have, they have it built inside of them. They, they walk in this, in this confidence, in this hope, right? Have you ever hung out with somebody that's hopeless, uh, hopeless people, they make bad decisions. They make, they make desperate decisions because they're lacking in hope. So uh, we're going to be looking basically at, at two bits of scripture today. Uh, the key scripture out of Proverbs is Proverbs 24, 14. It says, know also that wisdom is like honey for you. Wisdom is like honey, and honey is sweet. And it's nourishing, and it gives you energy. So know that wisdom is like honey for you. If you find it, there is a future hope for you. And your hope will not be cut off. If you find wisdom, if you find her, there's a future hope for you. And you won't lose it. That's why wise people are so secure in who they are and how they walk. That's why they're so confident. Because wise, wise people, they have, tasted, they, ta they, they have tasted and they have seen that the Lord is good. Right? That's the cornerstone of all theology, that God is good. Even when horrible things happen, we don't understand. God's good. Bad things happen to good people. I don't get it. Don't shake your fist at God and say, why, why, why? That's been there, done that. It doesn't get you anywhere. 
if you taste and you see that the Lord is good, you will have this future hope. And wise people don't lose it, right? Wise people don't lose hope. All right, here we go. Two scriptures. That, well, the main scripture that we're going to be looking at is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And um, we're going to do 1 through 6. And at the end, we're going to look at 7 through 12. So if you want to turn with me. Uh, again, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. So if you begin to plug into what Paul is talking about, we have this ministry, and what he's specifically talking about is, is the ministry of suffering. When we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. We don't fall into hopelessness. Rather, we have renounced the secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the very... Uh, Forth, the truly, plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, who's that? Just clarify real quick. Who's the God of this age? The internet. That's <laughs> preach it. That's it right there. That's that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's the principality of the air, right? It's the devil himself. He's got control of the airwaves. The Lord of this age. He has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let the light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God displayed in the face of Jesus. There's so much there. But what we need to get to is don't lose heart. Don't give up. When the world is blinded by the, the God of this age, and, and you see it, like just take a moment, because we live in, we live in the world. We live, in, we live all around this God of this age, and sometimes the only way that we can see it is if when we press into the presence of God, and if that's church, fine. You can press into the presence of God every single morning, every single time. You just, every day, that is the path. It is the daily thing that we've got to do, pressing into the presence of God. You will begin to see the world as it really is. You will begin, the veil will be taken off of your eyes. When you begin to focus on the light of who God is. And when you see the world for what it really is, don't lose heart, don't give up. When you see the death and decay, don't, don't, don't give up. Wise people have hope, but they're also hopeful for the right things. Like hope is a tricky thing. Like we all do it, right? And some of us experience a lot of heartbreak and disappointment 
because we're hoping for the wrong things. Like we still have this connection or this intimacy to the things of this world. We put our hope into things that are not of God. So when you taste and you see that the Lord is good, you're tasting of the Lord and not of this world. So there's, there's, there's two things that we really need to be made aware of when we're pressing into to a hopeful lifestyle. The first thing is, do you know the difference between putting your hope in God and being deceived by false hope? False hope. Just, just write that down because it's very confusing at times. Because we'll put, our, we'll put our hope into things that are not of God. And even if it is a desire that we have, and maybe it's a good desire. Like desiring a mate, a spouse, that's a, that is a good desire to have. But it will take wisdom to know if you are desiring the right characteristics of the, of the person God's called you to be with. It takes wisdom to know if, all right, I desire to be married, but I want to be married to, all right, give me, give me a name of a knucklehead. Justin Bieber, right? <laughs> your, 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 your tween daughter wants to marry Justin Bieber, right? And the desire for her to get married is a good desire. Justin Bieber, I think, is a Christian. I probably shouldn't have illustrated it. He's supposed to be a Christian, right? I don't know. He's a naughty boy. Um, you don't want your daughter dating Justin Bieber or anybody else like that, right? You don't. But see, the desire is right, but the impulse is wrong. The honey's not good, right? It's not sweet. It's bitter honey. And so we put, we have, we put our, we, we gamble with false hope. And this is as a pastor that is <laughs> desperately desiring to function in the supernatural because he feels that God has called him to do. It, the, the, the frustration is that I don't want to give people false hope, right? Like our healing ministry in our church is absolutely incredible. But I couldn't heal my mother-in-law. You know, when somebody comes to me and they've got a terminal illness, it's, it's, a, it's, it's such a, the, the easy way out is to say, you know what, I'm going to pray the safe prayer because I don't want to give somebody false hope. It's probably illegal for me to do, right? You need to take some wisdom to try and navigate these sensitive things. But I know when, uh, like there's, if you're interested in physical healing, if you're interested in the supernatural, come to like these healing classes that we're doing. I'm sure we'll do it again. But there's telltale signs where I know God's going to heal somebody. Like I, I get physical signs in my body, and I, I choose whether to obey them or not. But think about what we're putting our hopes in. I like to pick on this all, uh, way too much, but it's just the best illustration out there. We put a lot of hope in Las Vegas, hmm? right? I mean, 
Las Vegas is, it is the place for false, it is, the, it is the capital of false hope, isn't it not? You can get, you can get false love and intimacy in Las Vegas. You can get a false uh, attraction to finances in Las Vegas. You can get a false sense of community in Las Vegas. And it's very glittery. It's very exciting. It has a lot of lights and a lot of shows and a lot of entertainment. It feels a lot like church sometimes. Like you can actually be spiritually fed going to Las Vegas. Did you know that? You know that we, that you have a spiritual nature that needs to be fed? Some people go to Las Vegas to get their spiritual needs fed. Some people watch horror movies to get their spiritual needs fed, Right? That's why, that's why all the supernatural shows on TV are so popular. Because there's a spiritual desire for that stuff. We ought to be giving it to them from church, I think. But anyway, back to Las Vegas. Think about the false hope that it presents. And, uh, and once you get beyond the, the glitz and the lights and the, and the shows, and you just look down at the floor when you're walking the streets... Or you peek around an alley and you see it for what it really is. You see the ugly underbelly of what Las Vegas is. It's a city built on hopelessness. It's a city built on selling false love, selling false riches. It's, It's a counterfeit to everything that God desires his kingdom to be. And so we do, we do this. We put our hopes in, in false relationships. We put our hopes in false monies. We, we put our, our, our hopes in false futures that God hasn't called us to do. And, and, and at times it's painful. Second point. So there's, the, there is, there's false hope that we always have to be careful of and we have to navigate. Okay, is this good honey? Is it sweet honey? Or is it bitter honey? The other part, which is even more, it could be even more dangerous, is the spirit of hopelessness. Hmm? It is the spirit that you just give up. And I, growing up with people, not necessarily, I mean, not necessarily church people, but you see it in church, you see it in real life, you see people give up. They, they become hopeless. It is one of the saddest things to see a soul lose its hope. And it's an easy trap to fall into because you you say things to yourself like, you know what, I'm just going to die anyway, right? It's hopeless. You know what, if I go under this relationship, I'm just going to mess that one up too. It's hopeless. I might as well not even, you know, move forward. I might, you know what? If I, if I go apply for that job, I'm just going to get rejected again. It's hopeless. And what we've got to understand is God, God is the God of what? Of hope. God is the God of hope. A scripture for you. 
Thank <laughs> Thank you. There it is. She got it right. Romans 15:13. <laughs> May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by what? By the power of the Holy Spirit. So God is a God of hope. All right, you ready for this? It's going to be tough. God is the God of hope. The God of this age, the devil, he is the God of hopelessness. And he can trick you. First, he can just try and frustrate the heck out of you until you give up. Like he can put, we'll do a, spirit, we'll do a series on spiritual warfare one of these days, I promise. But he's going to put all these barriers, all these obstacles, all these flaws in your life to frustrate you, to keep you from engaging in Christian community, to keep you from practicing God's presence, from reading your Bible, from praying. He will do everything he could possibly do. He will put these little negative lies into your head saying, you know what, that's just not true. God's not good because he lets 15-year-old girls die. Therefore, he's not good. Hmm? So he's going to be planting all these negative things in your mind so that you will give up and that you will become hopeless. Our God is a God of hope. The world's God is a God of hopelessness. That's his strategy. He wants to, he wants to break us. So how do we get hope? How do we become more hopeful? How do we tap into the God of all hope? All right, here we go. First of all, we need to understand the importance of what hope is. Like we have to understand that it's, it's really important to God. Not only is God the God of hope, Paul was wise enough to see that in this spiritual life that we have, it, it's broken down into three things. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Faith, hope, and love. And he says, and the greatest of these is love. Right? So, spend a whole lot of pulpit time on love, and rightfully so, we should. And then the next one that we spend a whole lot of time on is faith, because faith makes God happy. It's the only thing that makes God happy. But just as equally important is hope. Do you ever ask yourself, why is love the most important? So you got faith, hope, and love, and then Paul makes this really incredible statement, but the greatest of these is love. Do you ever ask, you want to know Why? Love, out of the three, is the only one that's eternal. Love was there from the very beginning of the foundations. It's going to go on to eternity. God is love. And we need love in our communities right here and right now. And we're going to have it going into eternity. And it was there before we were created. But hope and faith, that is for right here and right now. Because when you die, when you join my mother-in-law and Vanessa in heaven, you're not going to need faith anymore. Nor will you need hope. I mean, unless God's got some really crazy plans in eternity, I just don't think that we're going to need them. So they're so important. Hope. 
Hebrews 16 says, hope is the anchor to the soul. It's this over here, right? Hope is the anchor to the soul. And our soul is our emotions. Like if, you, if you've gone through a series of very difficult situations, you lost your job, you know, your marriage is on the rocks, you went through divorce, you know, your boyfriend, your girlfriend broke up with you, you're broke, you know, you've had to bury loved ones. If you've gone through a season of grief, you need to grieve properly, but, and your emotions are a wreck. Have you ever been an emotional basket case? And Mick Jagger didn't come to your emotional rescue? <laughs> just, uh, I just grew up with this guy. He listened to the Rolling Stones. I mean, I know. Um, hope is the anchor to the soul. That means, yeah, you, look, when someone dies, you better be grieving. Like, you better be crying. You better show up. You better walk with people that are grieving. Don't peace out. You just have to go there with them, right? And through all the hurt and all the pain and all the rejection, maybe there's fear, maybe there's guilt, maybe there's shame, you have to realize that, that hope is the anchor to your emotions. And hope will, will, will ground you. It will bring you in. Uh, look, if you're a boat, if you're an emotional boat going on a ride, you need an, you need an anchor you're going to go out to sea, and you're, you're going to die. Like, you will, you will emotionally unravel if you don't have hope. You will emotionally go shipwreck yourself. You need to be anchored. And what, what are we anchored to? We're anchored to the rock. We're anchored to Jesus. This is why hope is so important in our, in our spiritual faith. We've got to have it. And you, can't, you can't have false hope, nor can you give up and have no hope. Hope is for here and now. All right, here we go. This one's interesting. If wisdom is a path that we must walk on, hope is the door. Like, you have to practice discipline to become wise to understand the things of God, to understand the will of God. But you have to make a choice to hope, you, like you have to make a choice to have faith. I'm an emotional basket case, Josh. I'm grieving, I'm sad, I'm angry. Pastor Josh will tell you that you have to have hope. You have to choose hope. I don't feel like choosing hope, I know. But you still have to choose it, and you have to open up the door, and you have to walk through it and get on that path to wisdom. One of my favorite, I say this every Sunday, don't I? One of my favorite stories and one of my favorite books is Hosea. You guys familiar with Hosea? It's a great, Hosea was a minor prophet, one of the 12 minor prophets. And um, <laughs> that's just horrible. It's horrible what God did to this guy. He's like, here I am, Lord, send me. And God says, okay, I'm going to make your entire life a living illustration. And uh, so Hosea is this man of God. He's committed his entire life to serving God. And, uh, and God makes him marry a prostitute. And, and the illustration is, 
that, that you know, you are going to be, um, you know, it, it is like the people of God marrying God. The children of Israel and the marriage of, with God, that relationship. Uh, the children of God are always adulterous, and they're always running off and having affairs with other gods. They're not faithful. And so God uses Hosea to illustrate this point. He makes him marry an unfaithful woman, just like the, you know, the body of Christ is at times an unfaithful bride, right? His desire is to make her beautiful. But see, that's the, that's the powerful illustration. He's like, okay, you're going <laughs> to marry an unfaithful woman. That's just crazy, isn't it, to have your life that kind of an illustration? And of course, she's, you know, she's unfaithful. She sleeps around, and she has an affairs, and you know, she logged herself into, what's that website? Je- Ashley something? What is that thing? What is it? Madison Ashley? Ashley Madison? What is it? You guys don't know? You guys watch the news? What is it? Ashley Madison. Ashley Madison. Hey, did you guys see if I was on there? <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you. And you know what? You should check. Um, I love you guys. You, are, you would not hurt my feelings if you checked to see if I was on that website. You trust and verify. Chances are I won't be your only pastor. They estimate that some 400 pastors are, are going to come out because of that site. They made the list. 400. And it's, those are the ones that weren't lying about who they were on the Internet. Those are the ones that they're going to get. Just this year, I had two pastor friends of mine that had moral failures. You trust and verify, folks. We are called to, we, we, that grace is abounds. Grace is a great thing. Pastors are called to a higher calling. They are. So, yeah, you, won't hurt, you don't hurt my feelings if you checked it out. You should check it out. I want you to have a critical spirit or anything like that, but... Trust and verify. I don't have... <laughs> so I got together with all my pastor friends, and we had to talk about this guy that blew it. And they're like, well, let's just, it's all about grace, and we need to do everything we can to restore this brother. I'm like, no, you don't. No. <laughs> he can have a ministry selling used cars, and he can lead people to the Lord. That's great. But he doesn't deserve the pulpit again. I could be wrong. I'm not God. That's my own personal opinion. I should, probably shouldn't have said that from the pulpit. But that's how I feel. Because this, this greasy grace thing is just, never mind. That's not, that's not my topic. I'm sorry. Um, all right. So God makes Hosea marry a prostitute. And this is what he says about her. And again, the illustration is that she represents the people of God. And he says, I will read. She's been unfaithful, right? She's blown it. Her name is Gomer, by the way. If you're going to have like a write a spicy book in the Bible, why would you name the hot chick Gomer? <laughs> All right, so she's already had her affair. And, she, and this is what God says. I will return her... I will return, this is a, a Hosea 2, 1, and this is the New Living Translation because um, they use the actual names, and the actual names don't translate well. 
And so it says, I will return her vineyards to her. So she's been unfaithful, and God says, I, I will restore her. I'm going to return to her her vineyards. Okay, and catch this. And transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. She will give herself to, to me there. And she, as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from captivity, from slavery in Egypt. So this is God's design. God's design is that we have intimacy with him, even though that we have been unfaithful. We are all unfaithful. We all do it. And he desires intimacy, even though that we have been unfaithful. And he says this, the, the transformation happens in the valley of trouble, where we have to choose to walk through the gateway of hope. Isn't that a beautiful thought to think about? So I don't care how bad it is, or how many people have passed or died, or how much you're grieving. Don't, don't lose hope of that. Don't, don't lose hope of hope. Okay, I choose to walk through this gateway of hope. Hope is the anchor to my emotions. Although my emotions aren't lining up to what the Word of God says right now, I'm going to bend my will. I'm going to force myself through that door. And I'm not going to lose hope or develop false hope. And when times are very difficult, you have to choose daily. Like you, every day, you have to walk through the door. Like I'm terrible, really bad at pastoral counseling. Like if you have issues, don't come to me. Go to the marriage counseling stuff or the counseling ministry. Doug's a part of that. Led worship today. He's great. Talk to him. I'll, I'll tell you to straighten up or something. But in... When you, when, you, when you work with people, and this, is, this requires grace, once I was working with, a, with an individual that had a problem with addictions, my knee-jerk reaction is like, stop it, right? No. But the Lord said, get them through one day. They need to walk through hope just one day at a time. So it's like, can you make it to the end of the day without shooting up? Right? One day at a time. Can you choose? Can you choose this day who you're going to serve? One day at a time. Walk through that, that gateway of hope. That's how you do it. Hope is a choice. And hope is so important in, in, in Paul's three things. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Hope is so important because uh, both faith and hope and even love, uh, they're, they're qualities of a culture. They're qualities of an environment. Uh, it's what you sense when hopefully you walked into church. Now that, that, you know, worship can gauge that a bit. The message can gauge that a bit. But you'll know the level of hope in a congregation, and you'll feel it because people are hopeful, and it is a, it is a spiritual gift that has been given.
Um, hope is required. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, Bible says to desperately secret desire the spiritual gifts, right? So it's okay. Okay, God, I, Bible says I got to desire these things. I desire these things. But hope is required in desiring the spiritual gifts. The best, one, the best gift, supposedly, is the prophetic gift. But you have to be a person of hope in order to function in the prophetic gift. Like, you have, to, you have to be so hopeful about the future, about your future, about how God's created you. And, and you know, you understand, and you're tapping into God's will for your own life. And, and, and life is looking good. You have to have this, this, this mantle on you before you can speak prophetically into somebody else's life. I don't, I don't know about you. But I don't want to get a prophetic word or, you know, hear God's will for somebody from my life from somebody that's hopeless, right? Maybe they do hear from God. But if they're hopeless or if they function in false hope, it's going to get filtered wrong. And it's going to come out wrong and twisted. So don't receive God's word. I mean, you receive it, weigh it. You've got to spit out the bones. You've got to see it carefully. But be careful, be guarded about receiving God's word from people that are hopeless. And if you are hopeless or if you have false hope, say, God, how do I get more? How do I break this chain and this negative thoughts, the things that are driving me down, God? Hopeless is required I hope is required to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Like if, you have, if you don't have hope, if you're not walking in this spirit or in this environment, it's going to be very difficult to seek first the kingdom of God, to seek heaven and his righteousness. You won't find it. All right, if I could have the band and the ushers come to the front. Oslin, on our way up, we'll finish up with the last scripture. Now, here's the thing. Yeah, hope is something that we have to walk through. It's a door we have to open. It's a choice we have to make. And even in the midst of sadness, even in the midst of grieving, we have to remain hopeful. Second part of Corinthians that we started off with this morning, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. That's the hope. To show that all this all-surpassing power is from God and not from, from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but we're not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. What? So that his life, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our bodies. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be also revealed in our mortal bodies. So then, death is at work in us. That's the truth. But life is at work in you. 
Do you carry around the death of Jesus in your body? That's, that's the gospel message. God, Jesus died. He went through all this grief, all this sadness, so that we can escape death. So the sting of death, it doesn't hurt as much as it does. Death is not as bitter when you bury a believer when you bury somebody that's never known Jesus. We have to carry around the death of Jesus in our vessels because that's what actually makes us alive. It is the understanding of the gospel message of Jesus. We can never grow tired of it. We always have to know that, okay, I have the hope of salvation, eternal salvation. It is certain. It is the hope. It is the certain hope for my soul that is going to continue. It is certain hope. And I've made that decision and I've walked through it. Would you bow with me? Father God, we thank you so much for the season that we're in. And despite the difficulties, despite the pain and the hurt, God, we just ask that your spirit will descend on us I pray right now that we will receive that peace that transcends all understanding and that we will begin just to develop this culture of hope in, in, in our community. God, I pray right now that you will help us to grieve well and that we will have a healthy understanding of what your hope is and compared to what the world's hope. God, right now I just pray that you just bring comfort into those that are, that are hurting. That you paid the ultimate price for us. Bless this offering in your name. Amen.
put your hope in the Lord. You just walk, walk through his door. Just walk through his door. Your life will get better. Your life will get better. Go in that blessing today. God bless you guys. Have a great week.